From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. Our text for today is found in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, Praying Always. What multitudes of prayers have we put up from the first moment when we learned to pray? Our first prayer was a prayer for ourselves. We asked that God would have mercy upon us and blot out our sin. He heard us. But when He had blotted out our sins like a cloud, then we had more prayers for ourselves. We have had to pray for sanctifying grace, for constraining and restraining grace. We have been led to crave for a fresh assurance of faith, for the comfortable application of the promise, for deliverance in the hour of temptation, for help in the time of duty, and for succor in the day of trial. We have been compelled to go to God for our souls as constant beggars asking for everything. Bear witness, children of God, you have never been able to get anything for your souls elsewhere. All the bread your soul has eaten has come down from heaven, and all the water of which it is drunk has flowed from the living rock, Christ Jesus the Lord. Your soul has never grown rich in itself. It has always been a pensioner upon the daily bounty of God, and hence your prayers have ascended to heaven for a range of spiritual mercies all but infinite. Your wants were innumerable, and therefore the supplies have been infinitely great, and your prayers have been as varied as the mercies have been countless. Then have you not cause to say, I love the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplication? For as your prayers have been many, so also have been God's answers to them. He has heard you in the day of trouble, has strengthened you, and helped you, even when you dishonored him by trembling and doubting at the mercy seat. Remember this, and let it fill your heart with gratitude to God, who has thus graciously heard your poor weak prayers. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits.
Every so often here on Let the Bible Speak, we've mentioned Q&A with Alan Cairns. These are video clips of Dr. Cairns giving biblical answers to a variety of questions. These include, why did Christ have to become a man? Why does a good God allow suffering? Or, what is the unpardonable sin? In all, Dr. Cairns responds to over 50 such concerns. All of these video clips are available on the ltbsradio.com website. In addition, we're happy to be able to provide you, free of charge, a DVD containing all of these video portions, about five hours of guidance from God's Word for problems which face the 21st century Christian. You may have a copy simply by requesting it. Just ask for the DVD, Q&A with Alan Cairns. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Or if you wish, you may write us at Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Here's an excellent way to provide scriptural answers to family and friends regarding the challenging questions facing believers in this day. On this edition of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns will commence a message entitled, Seven Essential Views of Christ. The text is Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 29, the passage containing Peter's great confession of Christ. In the city of Caesarea Philippi, a center of idolatry, Jesus revealed himself as the Son of God. Although this was a time when people were eagerly awaiting the Messiah, Most failed to recognize him, evidenced by their mistaken thoughts about who Christ was. As Dr. Cairns will emphasize, a person's attitude about Christ defines one's nature and destiny. 
only recognizing and submitting to him as the son of the living God will bring forgiveness of sin and eternal life to the soul. Now Dr. Cairns introduces this message, Seven Essential Views of Christ. Uh, We are turning to Matthew's Gospel this morning as we continue the studies in the life of Christ. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. It's a very famous passage of Scripture. We're going to commence reading at verse 13 to the end of verse 27. That's one verse before the end of the chapter. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, Let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Amen. The Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his own precious word for his name's sake. Our Bible reading commences with a reference to Caesarea Philippi. That wasn't its original name. Today, if you visit Israel, you'll find that one of the highlights of the tour of the Holy Land 
is going to what is called Banyas. Banyas nestles at the foot of majestic Mount Hermon. It's a place of great beauty with bubbling waterfalls and springs of water and luxuriant vegetation that stands in great contrast to most of the color scheme you see, not only in Israel but elsewhere in the Middle East. The name Banyas, spelled with a B, comes from the ancient name of the place which was Panaeus, spelled with a P, so called because it was the site of the worship of the false god, the idol Pan. The name of Panaeus was changed by Herod in honor of Caesar Augustus and in great humility adding his own name along with it to Caesarea Philippi. But the evidence of the ancient worship of Pan was still very much to be seen in the days of Christ even though the name of the place had changed. That is true to this day when you visit Banyas, there inscribed in the rock face down which the waterfalls cascade. You'll see the inscription to the priests of Pan. You'll still see the little votive niches carved into the rock for the images of the idols in that place of idol worship seems to me a very significant thing that it was in this place that in Christ's time was almost entirely Gentile, was in this place surrounded by the evidence of idolatry and man's apostasy from the one true and living God, that the Lord Jesus Christ set out to give to his disciples and to the world a glorious revelation of himself. Now, this was a revelation in verbal form. By his works, he had already been giving a demonstration of who he was and what his mission was, but now he sets out to disclose himself and declare the truths concerning himself in the clearest possible terms. He commenced with two questions, questions that resonate to this day. Whom do men say that I am? What is the public saying about Christ? Now that's very easy to say. But I have to say as a preacher that that chokes me more than my vocal problem because I am choking back not to follow up on that particular little statement. It's an inquiry about what is the public saying about Christ? You can tell everything, understand this, you can tell everything that is worth knowing about a nation by what it's public opinion of Jesus Christ really is. 
you can take that and apply it to any nation on earth today. You can take it and you can apply it to this nation. Whatever may be the answer as to a nation's political economy or its financial stability and prosperity or its industrial might or otherwise, whatever may be said about so-called, and I say so-called because this is one of the great curses of our day and one of the great inventions of apostasy to evacuate the gospel of its real pungency and power, whatever may be said about so-called family values, it's what a nation says about Christ that defines its character, its standing before God, and ultimately its place in history. Whom do men say that I am? The remarkable thing is just how far wrong public opinion was. And this was at a time when the Lord Jesus had been itinerating throughout the land. He had healed the sick. He had given sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. He had made the lame man to jump like a roe. He had raised the dead. He had gone around feeding the hungry in a miraculous fashion. People were seething at the talk of what he was doing. Wherever he went, crowds were bringing their lame and their sick and their demonized. And they were longing to see his miracles and expecting to see his miracles. They needed no convincing that he was doing miracles. Even the chief priests and Pharisees says, were saying, we can't deny what he's doing. Because did not Nicodemus say... We know that thou art come from God, a teacher, because no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. The whole country knew he was doing miracles. And yet, whom do men say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Remember, these crazy people, at least in many, many cases, had actually seen John the Baptist. And they had seen the Lord Jesus. A blind man could see that he wasn't John the Baptist. But they were saying, John the Baptist. Or he's one of the prophets. Or he's Jeremiah. How wrong they were. Do you notice? And th this is an amazing thing. It it's a commentary on the absolute depravity of the human soul. It's a commentary in that great statement of the Apostle Paul in Romans 3, there is none that understandeth. In, a, in an age where the expectancy of Messiah was at fever pitch, in an age when people for years had been talking, is he coming, is he coming, expecting the Messiah to show at any time. In an age when Messiah was on everybody's lips, when Jesus came in their midst, raising the dead, doing miracles, and they were asked, 
Whom do men say that I am? Nobody. Nobody recognized him for who he was. John the Baptist said, There standeth one among you whom ye know not. Again, this is where I have to bite my tongue, because what I have just said, first of all, has vast theological implications. Secondly, it has vast practical implications for the church of Christ as it seeks to evangelize. There is a common notion among men today, and it's taken over our churches, that if we but package the gospel better, people will believe more easily. That's why you've got the explosion in the Christian publishing industry, where they have just about become as professional as the world uh, in publishing, whether it's in literature or in other media, to make Christ more palatable. If we can only impart the information in a different way, if only we can do this and this and this and the other thing, then people will believe. Now, I'm all in favor of imparting the information in as good a way as possible, as broadly as possible, but let us remember this. There is absolutely no point of contact between the light of divine truth and the darkness of human depravity unless the Holy Ghost comes in with regenerating power. Now, we must preach the gospel. We must preach the gospel. But instead of spending our time and spinning our wheels on wondering about the packaging, we would be far better as churches on our faces before God, getting the power of the Holy Spirit of God until God would attend the preaching with regenerating grace. That's really what's needed. That's what's needed. How wrong their opinions were. Then, of course, the Lord Jesus moved from public opinion to personal faith. And he asked the question, But whom say ye that I am? Okay, we have had their opinion. Now, what is your personal faith in this matter? And what a revealing question. What a penetrating investigation. You see, it's very easy to say, Lord, look at what people are saying. Either to go along with what people are saying or hide behind what people are saying. But the Lord Jesus takes us apart and says, I have now isolated you from the crowd. You will see, as you uh, read through the Gospels, we have noted this in our past studies on occasions, when the Lord deals with people, he very often would take them out of the crowd. Remember when I was dealing with the deaf man at the end of Mark chapter 7, how he took him aside out of the crowd, he isolated him, and he got him one and one, and he dealt with him that way. That's how the Lord Jesus deals with us. Whom do you say that I am? What is your faith concerning me? 
And again, let me tell you, your reply to that question defines what you are, either saint or sinner. Your reply to that question defines where you are in the sight of God. Your reply to that question defines your life and your destiny. It defines your ultimate worth in this world. What do you say about Jesus Christ? You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak.